Welcome to the Alliant in the Public Eye podcast, a show dedicated to exploring risk management topics and challenges faced by today's public sector leaders. Here's your host, Carlene Patterson. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of In the Public Eye. It is September. We're looking at the end of the year. We have gotten past a lot of the renewals that our public entity clients have. Most of them are July ones. So we're circling back with some of our specialty product experts to talk about some of the emerging risks and the challenges that we saw with those recent renewals. So today we are going to be focusing on pollution and the specific challenges with that. And so we have invited Katrina Cease to the call to talk about that. How are you doing, Katrina? Welcome to the call. I'm good, Carlene. Thank you. So before we get started, I know you've been with Alliant for about three years, but could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up as an environmental specialist? Sure. So I began my career um, on the East Coast in New York City with a carrier where I handled environmental claims. And then for about the last 12 years, I've been on the brokerage side, specifically and solely where I handle pollution liability and contractors pollution liability policies and coverages for our various clients. So after we just worked through all of the seven ones and you know some of our other bigger renewals, what is the state of the market for environmental liability? So the, the state of the market for environmental liability specific to public entity, we've got a relatively hard market. So unlike any other segment, the pollution marketplace, we're seeing flat rates. We're seeing multi-year terms, still up to 10 years available. But within public entity, we saw anywhere from 5% to 40% rate increases, 40% on a lot of the larger pools. And we saw policy terms reduced. We had some public entities that had three-year policy terms that were reduced now to annual terms. And we've seen water districts and large pools representing various municipalities, cities, counties really be hit the hardest by these rate increases and these policy term reductions. So you mentioned some of the pools, you saw some pretty significant increases. What are the challenges around underwriting a pool? Yeah, so the biggest challenge is really the lack of underwriting information. So oftentimes we're going out to market with just a schedule listing the various cities and counties. Sometimes we have a schedule of values. But as far as getting any underwriting information or environmental testing with regards to soil, groundwater, we often don't have that information. So the carriers are really you know, underwriting based off of very little. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're looking at that five to 40%, are you seeing it more where the individual like single exposure entities are getting better results than maybe some of the larger entities? I guess it goes back to data, right? If you have the information and underwriters can get their arms around it, they're going to get a better response from the marketplace, right? Yes, absolutely. We are seeing better rates on a standalone policy, but it's all relative. You know, when you're part of a large pool, you're getting an incredible rate. When you're moving to a standalone policy, you can expect to be paying a lot more. You're also getting separate dedicated limits, which you don't have in a pool. 
So what about from an operational standpoint, you know, talk about underground storage tanks for and above ground storage tanks. How are they typically treated if you're buying an environmental policy? Are they separate? Are they included? Or is there an advantage to doing either one? Yep. So above ground storage tanks are covered on a blanket basis. Typically, the carriers don't request any underwriting information with regards to above ground storage tanks. That was actually one of the changes that we saw this year because of the increase in claims on some of the large pools. We saw carriers request information. They wanted to know content, size, how old these above ground storage tanks were. This was very unusual this year. We've never seen carriers request that kind of information. For underground storage tanks, these are typically offered if they're scheduled only. And in order to be able to get coverage for underground storage tanks, we always need to provide the age of the tanks, the contents, the size, the containment. So whether there's a double double wall or you know, just information on how that tank is is contained. So with an underground storage tank, you mentioned the age. Is there a industry standard for what's a good age for a tank and what's not? Yeah. So 25 years or older is not a good age for a tank. This is the age where we typically see tanks being pulled or a recommendation that they be pulled just because of their age and the tank breaking down. We still can get coverage for a tank that's 25 years or older. Some carriers will impose a higher deductible, sometimes starting at 250000 sometimes as high as 500000 or a million to tanks over 25 years old. And there are some markets who will not cover them altogether. I was talking to one of my clients the other day, and they were talking about their storage tanks and the risk management department was, you know, recommending some things be done. And they said, well, is there a vendor who can come in and tell us we have to replace them? So is there a vendor that would come in and say, yes, this has to be replaced? I mean, and get the, you know, the tank tightness tests are still okay, but they're getting up in age and, you know, the counties are strapped for budget. So So my recommendation is the tank tightness testing, and that will indicate whether or not there's any kind of leakage. If there isn't and budget is of concern, I would take that tank tightness test that shows that there isn't any leaks or any issues with the tank. And I would try to take it to a market specifically who will look at tanks over 25 years. We see a lot of our clients who will, up until the point where they can't get coverage, that's when they pull the tanks. But as long as they can keep getting coverage and keep finding a market who will look at it, sometimes that's as long as they leave the tank in the ground. So Mm -hmm. I do have tanks that are over 30, 35 years old that we have a few markets who will cover as long as they have favorable tank tightness testing. And then, you know, the, the, the year that they don't have that anymore, that's usually the year that they they pull the tank and find the money in their budget to replace it. That's so my answer to my client was, well, the vendor that would tell you to replace it is when we can no longer insure it. There you go. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Insurance carrier vendor. Insurance carrier. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the pricing is going up. Any recommendations to risk managers when it comes to looking at environmental policies as far as how to get better results in the market? 
Sure. I think, uh, you know, a lot of the claims were surrounding mold. So managing any water intrusion issues or acting on those fast, that's a big way to mitigate mold. So, so it's actually mold for their first party coverage. So it's it's for their their buildings. It corrects for their buildings. Okay. You know, it, it, it typically starts with the cleanup and then can evolve into bodily injury claims. So, you know, people that are then exposed to the mold. So if you can mitigate it at the point of water intrusion, then you don't have mold growing and then you don't have people be being affected by breathing in that right. mold. So that would be a big recommendation. Another challenge that we really saw in the marketplace was coverage for PFAs. And this really is found in drinking water and in soil. So we've seen these constituents become widely excluded. And the only way to get coverage for these contaminants is by doing phase one and phase two intrusive testing. So this would be actually testing the soil and groundwater. You said PFA, right? Yes. PFAs? So insurance industry, we love our acronyms. So could you uh, say what a PFA is? Yeah, sure. So PFA stands for per and polyfluoroalkali substances. It's a group of chemicals that's used to make coatings and products that resist heat, oil, stains, grease, and water. Okay. Um, so if you think of like your household products, we find it in makeup in stain-resistant sprays that you would have in your laundry room, nonstick pans are a big one. And then we see it especially show up in firefighting foam. So with the increase in wildfires across the nation and just fires in general, whether that's at an airport or you know in a building, the firefighting foam contains these PFAs. And we're seeing it turn up in a lot of resources, uh, water sources as a result of that. Okay. So uh, one of my clients had a, you know, their liability carrier, they put a specific PFA exclusion on the liability. So mm -hmm. how can a public entity protect itself or, you know, what are the exposures and, you know, the types of claims they could get and, you know, I guess, how would you recommend they protect themselves? Yeah, that's a good question. So it is very hard to protect yourself from this contamination, especially if you're not using these chemicals. If you are using these chemicals on site, which most public entities are not, but if you are, I would just say stop using them. But because most public entities are not using these chemicals on site, it's really affecting them through third-party migration or it's turning up in water sources. So typically it has nothing to do with your operations on site, but maybe manufacturing facility that is upgrading, or it's a result of a fire that you had and the fire department comes in with this firefighting foam. If it's an airport, typically airports have this foam on site that contains the PFAs. So there are alternatives that can be used now, but Unfortunately, it's you know still pretty widely used. Okay. Had no idea it was in our you know nonstick pans. So I know you're you're working with our team to write an article on it. So everybody, stay tuned for that on in our in the public eye newsletter that will be coming out in a couple months. So we can talk more about that. But so PFA is kind of an emerging risk, something that there's a lot of heightened awareness of. Anything 
else, you know, as we look toward the future that our clients and risk managers should be aware of or, you know, talking about, or even when they're looking at contracts from some of their vendors, things that they should be looking at requiring. Yeah. So something new this year that we haven't seen in the past were exclusions for wildfires and oil and gas producing wells. This came out of several claims that involved offshore oil and gas wells. We had cities, coastal cities that found, you know, tar balls washing up on the beach. And some of the markets responded in a way that they wanted to be able to further evaluate this and found that they couldn't get any underwriting information for offshore oil and gas producing wells. This wasn't something that the city or county could provide. And so what they deemed a challenge was being able to, one, know that they existed or were in the vicinity of an oil and gas producing well. And, you know, how do they, how do they manage this risk going forward? And really, they don't have any control over this. So we've started to see exclusions. This does pose a challenge in that we don't have it as a backstop or a safety net. If you can't find the operator, the oil and gas operator, if they were to file bankrupt because of a huge release or a spill. So this is something that could be much better obtained on a standalone policy. It is getting increasingly difficult to get for, you know, large pools. All right. So if you're in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, those are the, like the Gulf states and anywhere where there's offshore. Yeah, but all up and down California, the coast of California as well. So, and and that's actually where we saw the claims come in, but yeah, any coastal city. So Katrina, really want to thank you for being with us today. It's a lot of great information. And just so everybody knows, she is available if you have any questions or anything, but we really appreciate you being here. And, you know, as we keep going from 2022 and beyond, We are always looking for innovative ways to help solve our public entity risks. So thank you for being here, Katrina, and everyone stay tuned for the next edition. Thanks, Carleen. Thank you for listening. And for more information, visit us at insurance.alliant.com forward slash in the public eye.